It's time for the Hammered Sports Podcast. You heard it. It is time for the Hammered Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Gray, here with my co-host, Tom Abbey. Welcome, everybody. And uh, we've got another uh, action-packed episode tonight where we're going to first... Tom, why don't you give us the rundown, actually? You've got the agenda right in front of you. Yeah, so first we're going to review a little bit of the NBA All-Star happenings. Uh, Then, of course, the XFL Week 2 review. Um, We're going to go over Kevin and my own top five pound-for-pound fighters in the UFC. Um, And then we're going to do the preview for XFL Week 3. And along with that, a couple announcements towards the end. But again, XFL heavy, some UFC sprinkled in there. But first, NBA All-Star Weekend. Yeah, so, you know, we did a little bit of preview and discussion of the... uh of what was going on there with the um, All-Star game coming up, but we didn't really dive into a lot of details on it. However, if you follow us on Twitter, at Hammered underscore sports, I sent out a few tweets on Saturday and Sunday talking about good plays that I saw coming up. Um, I did, however, talk about the three-point contest on last week's pod, where I gave out Buddy Heald at plus 550 to win the three-point contest. Tom, who won the three-point contest? Um, uh, let's see, uh, Buddy Heald. Buddy Heald, yeah. That was pretty nice. That was a little bit of a bailout because I went 0-2 on Saturday in the XFL to yeah. kick off my weekend. So, you know, that didn't exactly go as planned. No, nah, maybe I was 1-1 set. I might have been 1-1 both days. I can't recall. Yeah. Um, but regard- no, no, you were 0-2 you were on Saturday and then 2-2 two and two on Two and two and on, on Sunday. Sunday. Yeah. yeah, Sunday was a nice day for those <laughs> that listen to the Hammered Sports podcast because not only did I go two and zero in the XFL, but I also gave out via at Hammered underscore Sports on Twitter the All Star Game MVP Kawhi Leonard at plus eighteen hundred. So if you were listening and paying attention and following the social media. You received a plus 550 winner and a plus 1800 winner through NBA All-Star Weekend from me. Yeah, and uh, I think the thing I'd bring from the All-Star game itself is that new format made it uh, pretty fun. Um, I wasn't really sure how it would turn out. Um, the race to the, the 24-point mark from the what the lead, whatever the highest score was at the end of the third quarter. Yeah. It definitely was entertaining. Uh, more so than we've seen in past years. So kudos to the NBA for, again, changing it up, but changing it up in a positive way. Yeah, you saw teams playing defense and competing down the stretch, and they weren't just free runs to the bucket and layups and dunks right. and um, wide-open threes and guys chucking it from anywhere. Um, there, It was really a fun, exciting finish to that game. Yeah, it was, it was really good. Um, that was good. The NBA dunk contest though has lost its flavor um poor aaron gordon gets five 50 point dunks in a row and it goes to a second was it second overtime dunk and he loses with dunking over taco fall which is just pretty impressive in and of itself yeah i know that some of the judges says well he clipped the back of his head he cleared that man's shoulders which to me is insane yeah um it is what it is. It's not like it's going to make or break Aaron Gordon's career. But at the same time, they give out so many 50s early on. 
that everything after that's a 50 because as guys ratchet it up yeah. and do pull out bigger dunks, of course, they're a 50. The first couple, you know, weak-ass dunks they did in the beginning were 50. So, of course, all these ones are. Yeah. I would encourage a change in the scoring system moving forward if yes. you want to make it interesting. Score it from, uh, you know, 0 to 100 or however you want to do it because then you're not going to necessarily give the same exact score and it gives more room for interpretation of the dunk. Okay, so he didn't quite clear him. You know, let's give him 96 out of 100 instead of, you know, 90 out of 100. Or, you know, that to me it's still impressive, still a great dunk. He still did it on the first try. Those yes. are the things that matter. Yeah, being able to do it on the first try always makes me happy because I hate when they try three, four, five times and they finally do it. Even if it's spectacular, you're like, yeah, whatever, get get on with it. Yeah. So keep it moving. I like it when they get them on the first try. But, I mean, both of them did – awesome it was a really good fun one but the scoring really just ruined it the fact they only had four people doing it to begin with mm-hmm. uh, it's not yeah it's, it's, it's not, not what it used good. to be yeah yeah it used to be a lot more fun and uh you know they've got to do something they've got to make some major overhauls in how they're doing it but i think that they'll they've shown that they're not afraid to be innovative and try something different right so they they did it with the all-star game in and of itself but they they need to make those type of adjustments in the dunk contest as well yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's something that they'll do. And they, like you said, they are able to do it. They've been willing to do it with other stuff. That, um, So we'll, we'll see what they end up doing um, moving forward with it. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about XFL Week 2. Um, yes. It was, a, it was kind of a fun weekend. There were, you know, three games that were competitive. Uh, one that was not and was loaded with controversy, and that's the first one we're going to talk about, where the defenders uh, just dominated the Guardians, twenty-seven yeah. nothing. Twenty-seven nothing. Um, yeah, the Guardians just—they have a mess at quarterback right now. Yeah, two the, weeks in. <laughs> and the thing is, I, you know, I thought that maybe it was a fluke the way that they pulled that game out against. Tampa in week one uh they won 23 to 3 but the the numbers did not indicate that type of score yeah we talked about that a lot in the last podcast how you know the number itself looked like they had a really good defense and maybe the score itself um but when you looked into it I mean they were outgained by 170 yards and you saw more of the same this week yeah they're it just they're not a they don't look like a very good team um but the thing that was shocking to me was that Tampa wasn't able to show anything against Seattle, who was supposed to be the weakest team in the league. Um, all of a sudden, Tampa, who was uh, initially looking at like one of the best teams in the league, does not look like that at all. Um, but from the, the perspective of the D.C.-New York game, uh, D.C. looks strong. They, they look like a good football team. They look like they play uh, pretty strong defense. Uh, Cardale Jones is doing a nice job quarterbacking that squad. And um, I think that they're going to be one of the more fun teams to watch here moving forward. And, and definitely in that group of the top, you know, three or so, three or four. I, I think there's really three teams that look to me like they've uh, separated themselves right, right. now. Um, if you want to throw St. Louis in the mix, they played a tough game against Houston. I thought they played really well. So I think that your top four teams in the league right now are DC, uh, Dallas, Houston, and St. Louis. Yeah. And, uh, so I think this is the kind of fun of the first season is trying to sort out how good some of these teams are going to be. You know, it was tough to go off of the f- first week because you didn't know, hey, is this team really that good or is that team really that bad? And so, you, you know, you kind of got to wait for a few weeks before you get a handle on that. 
Um, and it continues this week. I mean, we'll see when we preview some of the games that some of them are very interesting matchups because of who they've already played um, and how that's going to work out. But, yeah, I think, to me, DC's look the most impressive um, uh, because of both sides of the ball. Um, obviously, getting a shutout's never never an easy task at any level of, of football. Yeah. So that's impressive. And they've been able to score in both games. Um, their defense has made big plays in both games. So, um, And then Houston's been pretty impressive to me, like we thought they would be with that style of offense. Fun to watch. Yeah. Pretty impressive. Dallas looked a lot better this week than they did the week before. And St. Louis has been solid each week, yeah. just you know, not going anywhere. And then New York, again, a mess. The Vipers just don't seem to know what they want to do. And in their defense, they've had to go on the road into crappy climates for the first two weeks. Um, you know, 40 degrees and rain in both games that they've played so far, uh, traveling from South Florida to New York and then to Seattle. So it's not like they've had the easiest start. Yeah. Uh, they may be able to rebound a little bit, but, you know, they've got a tough schedule coming up. So um, let's talk a little bit about the numbers that I saw in that game between the Guardians and Defenders. Mm-hmm. Um, Cardale Jones, uh, 23 of 37 for 276 and two touchdowns. He did have one pick, but a rock solid performance from him, really. Um, they did not really run the ball that well. Um, 12 for 52 for Donnell Pumphrey. Um, yeah. Presley, uh, 11 for 32. Um, so, so still. I'm a little concerned about their balance, um, having the ability to run the ball as well as throw it. Um, but you know, their defense seems to be where they're, they're hanging their hat right now. Yeah. And they got a, a pretty good group of wide receivers. Uh, Ross with 95 yards, Tompkins with 92 Rogers had 49, um, Pumphrey even caught the, um, three for 26. So they're spreading the ball out on that side, which is really, uh, obviously makes it a lot harder to defend, but yeah, I think you're right. The defense is, come into play and what do you do at quarterback for for new york you can't possibly run mcgloin back out there after his you know basically tantrums on the sideline uh (laughs) calling out the coaching staff and um marquise williams was four for eight for 51 yards yeah uh nothing impressive but it beats eight for 19 for 44 and two picks that mcgloin (laughs) threw up there so uh they might be in the market for johnny manziel you know there was talk (laughs) there was some talk of him looking to join the xfl there's got to be some other guys out there that that have a skill set uh that don't have a job yeah um, that could come in and compete for that job but i i would like to see marquise williams get the reps with the ones um all week in practice and see what he can do next week yeah, it'll be interesting to see if that what they do to roll that out there because, uh, like you said, not only was he did McGloin play terribly, he was a he was divisive on on the sideline. Um, when they put Marquise Williams in, McGloin took his ball and walked to the other side of the the sideline, just stood by himself, yeah. um, just pouting. Uh, not a good look. I mean, we never want to, you know, give him too much of a hard time. You know, it wasn't easy for him, I'm sure, but. You know, we've seen many a professional athlete get pulled from the game and then stand there and, and help and cheer their, their counterpart on or at least be supportive to, you know, listen in on the plays and see what's right. going on and not just go to the side and wait for the sideline reporter to come ask you what's going on so you can complain about the coaching and right being out, outclassed and coached. So Yeah, so let's move on to the next game. Uh, this one I think was the most boring of the group. <laughs> uh, it was It was a tough watch at times. Um, but you had uh, Seattle at home uh, come out on top 17-9. to nine. Uh, I was all over the Vipers going into this week. Uh, 
swing and a miss. Um, <laughs> I did not see that that kind of performance coming out of Tampa. I thought they would rebound after that game against the Guardians where they outgained them by 170. And then, you know, it, to me, it just seemed like a great spot for them to, to bounce back and get a win against a team that I did not find very impressive. And um, no secret here, I, I still don't find them very impressive. Uh, their quarterback, Brandon Silvers, 7 for 18, 91 yards, one touchdown, one pick. 7 for 18. I mean, they had no passing game to speak of. They only yeah. ran the ball for 117 yards. They did nothing offensively, and somehow they win the game by 8 points. Yeah, so this game was, uh, like you said, was a little difficult to watch. Um, the Vipers were winning early. I mean, they were up 9 nothing, um, And at the end of the game, they got a touchdown to put themselves ahead. I think it was like 18 seconds left, but it was called back to offensive pass, correctly called back due to offensive pass interference. Um, and then they had a shot on fourth down into the end zone. Again, only down eight in the XFL. It's plenty doable. And uh, But the points scored in this game. Tampa Bay had a, had a pick six. Seattle had a pick six. Seattle had a 68-yard touchdown bomb. And not a lot going on other than that. Yeah. So you had three large plays, which, by the way, all happened in the third quarter. Yeah. And then nothing else the rest of the game. The whole first half, it was 3 nothing. A couple big plays in the third quarter. The whole fourth quarter was just nonsense. Yeah. Tampa, again, loses the turnover battle and loses the game. Uh, I'll be interested to see if they're better than what they looked thus far because they've had so many problems turning it over or if that's just going to be a, a kind of their mo yeah and, and that's what we'll we'll kind of dive into when we look at the matchup for the next week for them as well uh on to sunday uh the dallas renegades uh come out on top 25 to 18 over la um this was a, a more fun game it started out so incredibly slow <laughs> the scoring pace was so low um but when i look at the dallas renegades Holy cow, offensively were they good. Um, yeah. They, they turned it over a bit in the first half, which stymied themselves. Yeah. But they, they got that switched around. Yeah. It, look at this, the numbers in this game. Landry Jones, 28 of 40 for 305. He had the two picks that really hurt. Uh, seemed to get it together in the second half. Cameron Artis Payne, 14 carries, 99 yards. Lance Dunbar, 6 carries, 42 yards. Um, both averaging over 7 yards a carry. If they sustain that type of running game, they're going to be very difficult to deal with moving forward. When you switch sides here to L.A., uh, Josh Johnson, 18 of 34 for 196. He was, I, I don't think you can really call that efficient, but he had two touchdowns, no picks. Uh, they didn't turn the ball over. They couldn't run the ball, though. Uh, Ten carries for 31 yards for Elijah Hood. Um, you know, no semblance of a running game, really. 50, sure. you know, 50-some yards total. Uh, for their running. Uh, I don't see a lot out of that L.A. team right now that I like, uh, but I do see a lot out of that Dallas team that I like moving forward. Yeah, obviously Landry Jones getting his first game. Um, he had some rust in the beginning of the game, it seemed. He made a few throws and then had a uh, – the one interception was awful um, early on. The first one was really bad. Yeah. Um, and then the second one, I think it was the second one, the coach on the sideline had said, that the a receiver ran a wrong route and brought the safety where it shouldn't have been, um, so you you know you kind of understand the happening, especially early in the in the league year. But seventy percent completion percentage, three hundred and five yards. I mean that's getting it done. Yeah. Um, another person, Spruce again, <laughs> for LA, 
89 yards this time, two touchdowns this week. Uh, Nelson Spruce is going to get some looks come come time for the the NFL yes. camps. He has 192 yards and two touchdowns in the first through the first two games. Yeah, uh, not too shabby. Not at all. Uh, Cameron Artis Payne still looks like he's got a little something le- left in there too. Yeah, 7.1 a carry will get that done. I mean, uh, 99 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, that's the thing again that Dallas offense has more balance to it. Dunbar averaged seven yards a carry as well. Right. So they were they were throwing the ball efficiency efficiently, 7.6 yards an attempt on all, on through the air. That's solid. And then when the, your two running backs are averaging seven yards a carry. You're going to put up points. You're going to move the yeah. ball, and they did both those things. All right. In the final game of the weekend, um, St. Louis at Houston. Uh, what he- a fun game, by the way. Seriously. Houston comes out on top, 28-24. Um, the difference in this game, to me, when I when I look at it, was the fact that St. Louis couldn't get that running game going the same way that they did the week prior. Um, Walker, again, was efficient. Uh, three touchdowns. He's, he's what, seven touchdowns and one pick through two games, um, but only passed for 170 yards. Uh, looks like Houston was outgained in this game. By a lot. Yeah. And um, it was 390 yards for the Battlehawks to 238 for the Roughnecks. Yeah. That's, a, again, another huge amount, and then they still didn't win the game. Right. Um, Tamu had two picks, but he threw three touchdowns, 30 for 37. Um really solid 284 yeah. three touchdowns two picks i mean again i stand by the fact that i think this kid has the most upside in this league in, in, out of all the quarterbacks that are playing there right now yeah the uh the picks were what ended the, you know made the game end the way it is uh you gave the roughnecks a couple short fields roughnecks to their credit were four for four in the red zone um the battlehawks were two for two so you know they were getting it done both of them um but those short fields led to the touchdowns for the roughnecks and, you know, that, that's how they got to their 28 points. Um, when you look at some of their drives, um, scoring drives specifically, you have um, a 32-yard drive for a field goal, a one-yard drive for a touchdown, a six-yard drive for a touchdown. Uh, I mean, those turnovers led to those short fields, and, you know, that's the difference in this game. Yeah, St. Louis clearly outplayed them in the second half. Uh, they looked like the better team in the second half. I was really impressed with this group as a Battlehawks fan, lifelong Battlehawks fan. <laughs> um, I, I have to say I'm happy with my team's performance. Uh, I think they played the best team in the league or the expl- at least the most explosive offense, and they played them very well. Um, I'm excited to see what this team can bring moving forward. And shout-out to Bill's draft pick, Cam Phillips, for having the hat trick of touchdowns in this game. Yeah, yeah, that uh, the guy can play a little football. Eight for 63 for three touchdowns, so – um yeah and any receiver that can get that kind of thing done he he, he might get another look uh, yeah. I, I gotta believe very so. very young player um he looked good in preseason with the bills just had some you know not a lot of ability to play special teams it seemed so when you're trying to make the back end of a roster that's in the nfl that's big so we'll see if maybe he gets a more of a shot to be um just you know a wide receiver and do his thing there yeah now uh, we moving on to yeah. this week's preview. No, no, no. We're gonna break up the XFL talk with some UFC life. Oh, okay. Yeah. So Kevin and yeah. I uh, have yet to hear each other's picks for the top five pound for pound fighters. So we're gonna learn them, you know, live together with you guys. Uh, we each picked our top five pound for pound. Uh, we're gonna do um, the women's divisions later, and we're but first we're gonna talk about the men's top five pound for pound fighters. Um, 
So I'm going to guess that we have the same number one fighter because it's fairly obvious. So I'll start with my number one. But let's go five. Let's go five down. You want to go five yeah, up? Yeah, let's go. Yeah, let's go five okay. up to up to one. So I had a hard time with five. I had two guys in mind here, and I'll give you the the other guy here in a second. But I ended up going with Israel Adesanya, uh, undefeated, really exciting fighter. Um, you know, I, I had a hard time keeping him out of the top five pound for pound list. Yeah. Um, you know, he's, he's been good for, you know, the, this least recent run, he, he has absolutely been sharp and, and yeah. difficult to beat and, you know, um, a great fighter, explosive, fun to watch. Um, I went, uh, to another weight class here with, uh, Henry Cejudo at five. Um, Cejudo is a guy who he started out as just a great wrestler and he seemed to learn more about his ability to strike and use some other weapons and he avenged his loss to mighty mouse um and now he's been on a five fight win streak including taking down a number of great fighters along the way um so i have cejudo at five yeah my also ran that i had a hard time keeping out of this but i just couldn't fit him in was uh usman kamara usman is a really good fighter at welterweight um you know maybe a couple more title defenses and we can get him into that top five uh, yeah. But I have him the outside looking in. It was back and forth between him and Israel. I just went with the undefeated record. Yeah, and, you know, the, the guy that I have on the outside looking in is Stipe. Oh, um, okay. I have Stipe at six, uh, pound for pound. I I love Stipe. I love everything he represents. I love everything that he does. Sure. Um, I just don't find him versatile enough to be at the in the top five of the pound for pound rankings. All right, so... Go ahead with who you have at four here, Kev. Uh, this is where I had Adesanya. Oh, okay. Um, I saw Adesanya at four here. Um, again, really like the kid. think he's uh, a great talent. I think he's a lot of fun. I think he's going to yeah. be a, a big part of the UFC for a number of years to come. Yeah, he's he's got a chance to really cement a legacy. He is so young still, and I think that's, you know, when you're looking at some of these fighters, some of these guys are in their 30s already. Um, Israel's not that, so, you know, he definitely has a chance to have another five, six-year career, and hopefully really cement himself as a, as one of the UFC legends that we never forget. Yeah. Um, at four, I have actually Khabib Nurmagomedov. Medoff. Nurmagomedov. Um, <laughs> he, uh, I mean, he's, he's really dominant as a champion right now. Um, the only reason I don't have him higher, on, in all honesty, is because of the lack of competition. Yeah. He, it's not who he fights. It's how often he fights does not fight very often and whatever anyone wants to say about it it's it it takes away from the sport it takes away as when you're the champion and you're not fighting it leaves a lot to be desired so yeah. you know if he if he fights two or three times this year again and wins and is dominant as he has been you would see him creep up my top for whatever it's worth yeah i know i know he's at home right now bummed that he's only top four in tom abby's <laughs> yeah. pound for pound list but uh yeah I, I would think that would drive him up this list for me as well Nice. Who do you got at three? So at three, I have Stipe. Yeah. Stipe is the heavyweight champion of the world. Um, he's been on a crazy run. He had a stumble with Cormier, but came back and avenged that loss against, um, again, one of the best fighters in the UFC history. When you look at what Stipe, or what Cormier has been able to do uh, at 205 and at heavyweight. So um, Stipe's beat so many great UFC fighters already. Um, I have him at three. I think you also get a little bit of a bump for just being able to say, I am the heavyweight champion. Yeah. I'm the biggest of the best. Yeah. Well, 
you know, um, like I said, I'm, I'm a huge fan. I I, I can't say enough uh, great things about him. Um, but, uh, it's, he just didn't quite make my list here. Um, at three, I actually had, this is where I slotted Khabib, um, in three, it's a competition thing. He's dominated everyone he's faced, um, but I don't think he's faced all the best people and all the best matchups. You know, he's been able to out wrestle everyone. Sure. And I haven't seen him fight somebody that's a true wrestler, somebody who can defend the takedown and do some of the same things that he does very well. So once he does that, he can he can very quickly climb to two on this list. Um, but right now, I, I just don't see him there. No, yeah, absolutely. I, you know, you could be at four three i don't think you're really wrong either way you go there who do you uh who do you have at two kamaru usman okay i have kamaru usman at two um i feel like usman has faced everyone that they've placed in front of him and come out on top everyone faces everyone that's placed in front of them that's kind of how that works <laughs> yeah well <laughs> his you know let, let's just talk about his last four fights damian maya who was giving everyone fits with his skill set, mm-hmm. beat him. Rafael Dos Anjos, beat him. Tyron Woodley, beat him. Colby Covington, finished him. To me, he's he's taken on every challenge that's that's been placed in front of him. 14-fight win streak. Um, I love his style. I love his skill set. I love how well-rounded he is, and I think he belongs up here. I have... Henry Cejuda is number two. I mean, he's a two-division champion right now. Uh, flyweight, bantamweight, um, which is always going to be impressive to be able to win, defend two separate titles. Um, Marlon Moraes, TJ Dillashaw, Demetrius Johnson, Sergio Pettis were his last four fights. Um, a, lot of, a lot of gold around his waist. A lot of people trying to catch up to him. Uh, one of his losses in his career is against Mighty Mouse, who they, he then beat. Um, so again, I have him as number two. He's got two belts, two weight classes. He's holding down. Um, I definitely give extra credit for that in my, my ranking. Yeah. And, um, our number one selection, uh, on the count of three, one, two, three, John, John Jones. Jones. I mean, yeah. I mean, it, it, listen, it, first off, we have a local connection to, to John Jones. He <laughs> he's was born in Rochester. <laughs> he's, he's a big fan, uh, fan favorite here in this area. Um, when we went to UFC 20, I don't even remember 205, 206, 205. I can't remember. Um, April 8th, 2017 is the date. I can tell you that. (laughs) Um, we were in, uh, in Buffalo hanging out before the game and, um, John Jones was signing autographs in the room right next to us in the restaurant we were eating. Uh, seemed like just a cool guy. Um, so that's not related to how amazing his fight talent is, but he, he again, he has not lost legitimately in the UFC. He lost on that 12 to 6 elbow disqualification, but no one's been able to beat John Jones. Yeah, I mean, and until someone does, I don't see why you would move him from this list. The, the names that John Jones have beat, too, is just, we went over it last week. It's crazy. Um, some of the people that he's been able to beat and the runs he's gone on, um, pretty impressive stuff yeah i'm a i'm a huge john jones fan i think that was so much fun to to watch him try and grind out a victory against dominic reyes last week and and um you know that was it was brutal for him it was tough it was it was a a kid that, that gave him a challenge he hasn't seen in a little bit so um 
I'll always buy a John Jones pay-per-view. It doesn't matter who they put up in front of him. And uh, he'll be the the pound-for-pound champ, in my eyes, until he gets beat by someone. Yeah, he extended his his white uh, his fight streak to seventeen wins, um, and when you consider the level of fighters he's fighting in those seventeen, it's really remarkable that he's able to do that. So yeah, um, you know what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a little break uh, right now. Uh, we're gonna come back on the other side. Uh, we'll have our XFL preview for this week. What else do we have on the docket tonight, Tom? That's it, XFL preview, and then. Um, start talking about how the next couple of weeks are going to shake up when we have some some special things coming yeah excited to uh, share with you guys some of the stuff that's coming down the line so uh, stick with us we'll be right back we are back and it is time for our xfl week three preview uh, obviously as we do every week we're going to go through and we're going to make selections on each of these games when you've only got a four game slate I think it's worth taking a shot and and, uh, making your picks on each one. We were uh, both 2-2 last week, and I think we might be starting to get a little better feel for what's going on. I have confidence in our ability to pick some winners here, Tom. Yeah, absolutely, and I think you know it is a little tough trying to figure out each team, but as we go through this, you'll see some of these are becoming a little more uh, predictable. Yeah, we're certainly getting some clarity on it. Uh, the first thing that I want to talk about before we even go into the, the game matchups is the totals are are deflating this week. Yes. Um, now it, you got to pick your spot here. Is it this week or is it next week? Are we going to have another week of the low scoring and have those totals deflate even further, or is now the time going to be to pounce on the overs? Yeah. Um, that you know that's a it's a tough decision to make. Yeah. So so far in the XFL, two two big stats have um, kind of for gambling. Uh, six and two on the under. The under has been has hit six out of eight games, which is really good. Yeah. And the home team has won six out of eight games. So they're six against the spread. Yes. So both of those are fairly predictable so far. We'll kind of keep an eye on that the next two weeks and see if that's you know going to continue to be a trend or if it was just a, an anomaly of how the schedule was built. So let's jump in with Houston at Tampa. Uh, Houston yeah. minus six over under 45 and a half. What's your feel? Yeah. So um, we have the two and Houston Roughnecks, the O and two Tampa Bay Vipers. This is the Saturday afternoon, 2 PM on ABC game. Um, so Houston's looked really good offensively. Yeah. Um, they, as we talked about before, they get after the passer. Um, one of their scores in the game against St. Louis was off of a, a pick that they forced by hitting the quarterback as he's throwing it. So, I think you see more of the same. And Tampa Bay's offense has just it's been non-existent. Their quarterback right. play's been been rough to watch. And they have you, 12 points so far this season. Yes, and when and Houston's going to score more than 12 probably in the first half. Yeah. Uh, bold prediction. Um, they really throw the ball around, and then they get, off the pa- get after the passer. And when you see a team who's struggling already, and then you put them up against a team that really rushes the passer well, uh, I'm going to take Houston minus the six. I don't like laying the six in this and on a road necessarily, especially when this league is kind of trending towards the home team. Uh, but I cannot bet on the Tampa Bay right now. Tampa right now. No. Yeah. So a couple of things. Um, first off, this is uh, plus six, even money. So it is trending more towards six and a half right now. Right. So if you like Houston, get on them as soon as you can, because I think it's going to continue that way. I think the public 
side is going to be Houston because they see 2-0 and against 0-2, team that's been great on offense against a team that's been terrible on offense. Uh, I think that this line continues to move up. You might see it at 7, 7.5, 8 by the time game day comes. And you might get value for Tampa Bay if you wait until the, the you know the morning of, of Saturday and see what the line is if it gets to 8, 8.5 even. Um, and there's some weird things uh, to these lines based on the scoring system. Um, they're, they're actually scoring less extra points than in the NFL because more teams are going for the two and you're not getting them as frequently. I find six to be a more key number than seven in this league because yeah. of that. Yeah. They're saying that six and a half is the big one because that's really a touchdown in this league yeah. compared to the NFL where it has to be seven and a half for you to be a right. touchdown favorite. Um, here it's, if you're six and a half, you're winning by a touchdown is the, is right. the concept. So, um, but six, give me, give me Houston minus the six. Um, I'm going to bet on that offense to keep rolling against Tampa Bay, who just can't seem to do anything on offense. Yeah, and I think that Houston's going to be the best defense that they've faced so far, <laughs> yeah. which is scary. So for me, my play is actually going to be under 45 and a half in this game. I think that Houston will get theirs. They'll probably score 30 points in the game. But I don't know if Tampa can get to double digits. Yeah. And uh, for me, that's, that's where I'm going to lean in this one. Um, you know, with that thought process, you'd think Houston, but the only way that Tampa covers in this game is uh, a low scoring game. Right. Um, so, you know, it, I, I think that under 45 and a half is still a good value. I think this is the highest line uh, total of yeah. the group. And that's the June Jones factor. It, it is. It's that run and shoot offense. They've scored the most points in the league through two weeks. Yes. Um, but I, I think that uh, Tampa plus six I wouldn't play later in the week you get me to like plus nine I might consider it um, but it's gonna have to be a big move from here for me to get on Tampa it's it's hard but a home team getting big points is generally a, a good rule of thumb to to jump on no matter the league that you're wagering so uh, I'm gonna take under 45 and a half though uh, the next game we have is the Dallas Renegades at one and one versus the Seattle sometimes they're called sea dragons sometimes it's just dragons who are also one and one that's Saturday at 5 o'clock on Fox. Yeah, we've got Dallas minus 5 at Seattle, um, over under 43 and a half. Uh, my selection in this game, I'm going to lay the 5 with Dallas. I think that uh, that key number being at 6, 6.5, I'm, I'm going to get my bet in on Dallas early on. I think that Seattle, you know, that maybe you're being slightly overvalued after getting a win at home last week, uh, but they were putrid on offense too. They, they were awful, and I actually like this Dallas offense as much as any in the league right now with Landry Jones. I think he's going to start to knock off that rust, get into rhythm. It looked like that team was able to move the ball whenever they wanted to. They ran the ball better than anybody else in the league this past week. Um, so give me the Renegades minus the five. Yeah, we're on the same side here. I, I think Dallas is the easy bet. Um, for the, all the things you're just saying, uh, Landry Jones might be the most talented passer um, in this league, just pure drop back, throw it. Um, if they can keep him upright, they should have some success. It's his first game in the in the league last week. First half was a little mixed bag. They moved the ball, but he turned it over twice. But in that second half, after he you know kicked the rust off, uh, he was really came into his own. They scored three touchdowns. He got over 300 yards. Um, two running backs averaging seven yards a carry. Uh, I don't see how they're going to get slowed, slowed down too much. And then again, minus five, 
that's not a huge number for the way the league scoring should be. Um, in Seattle, it's it's tough to get a hand on it because the first week they looked awful. Yeah. The second week they looked tough, a little physical, you know, and it'll be interesting to see. I think this week um, we'll kind of get a, an idea of how good Seattle could be. Um, but, again, they barely beat Tampa Bay, who at this point we're, we're considering them maybe the worst team in the league. Um, they barely beat them at home. Tampa Bay had the game-winning touchdown. It was called back. So, you know, we'll kind of we'll kind of see how that all works out. Yeah. Um, let's move on to Sunday. Uh, the Guardians at the Battle Hawks. Uh, the Guardians are laying uh, – I'm sorry, the Guardians are getting 10 in this game over under 40 and a half. So, again, uh, Guardians, they they don't do great in week one statistically, but they, they score well. Uh, this last week they didn't do great statistically and they got blown out. Um, the Battlehawks have been the more consistent team, um, so I definitely like them, but plus 10 seems like a huge number. So I think I'm going to take the Guardians plus the 10. Um, I don't know if the Battlehawks are the type of team, just the way they're constructed, that's going to blow the doors off you and just keep running up the score, which you've seen D.C. and Houston kind of do, where they just keep scoring. So I'm going to take the Guardians and the shot that plus 10. Hopefully they, for me anyways, hopefully they have the pride to uh, not lose by more than 10. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm going to lay the 10 with the Battlehawks, uh, unsurprisingly. Uh, as a Battlehawks fan, uh, as long as this league's been around. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to lay the 10 with the Battlehawks, and here's my, my thought process behind it. They've got quarterback hell going on in New York right now. Correct. Uh, the quarterback for St. Louis is potentially the best quarterback in the league. Uh, they run the ball well. They've got talent across the board. I think Kristen Michael gets on track this week and runs the ball better. Um, I think that this team is going to be able to move the ball really well. I think that the Guardians are going to struggle to move it, and I think that the Battlehawks win this game. I'm going to give a score on this one. I'm going to say uh, 31-13 Battlehawks. So you would have them, uh, you'd have them covering the over as well. Yeah, which is generally against my rule of thumb when it comes <laughs> to gambling. Um, I like to bet the lowest total of the week under, um, which is 40 and a half. Um, I, I think the Battlehawks can light up the scoreboard against this team. Uh, I think that – do you know – can you look really quick and see how many yards the Guardians gave up this week to the defenders? Um, I think it was a, it was a sizable number, um, you know, approaching, you know, 360, 370, somewhere in there. Um, I know they gave up 390 to Tampa the week before that. Yeah, 384 yards for the defenders, only 137 for the Guardians. Yeah, so you've got two weeks in a row – a team that's been outgained by the first week, I think it was like 170, 170 yards, yep. and then outgained by 250 yards. I'm taking the team in this spot. I, I, I'm just fading the Guardians here. The, the 10 doesn't mean anything to me here when you've got a team that's been outgained by 400 plus yards over the almost 500 yards over the course of two weeks. So, um, yeah, give me the Battlehawks minus the 10. And then the late game on Sunday. Uh, we have the 2-0 D.C. Defenders versus the L.A. Wildcats, who are 0-2. The line right now is D.C. minus 8.5 with an over-under set at 44. And uh, D.C. takes to the road for the first time. Uh, they had two home games to start the season. Uh, the Wildcats get to stay home. D.C.'s got to fly across the country and play them. Uh, I'm not overly impressed with that Wildcats squad. Uh, by any stretch they, they've been outgained in both games they they had problems with their defense um they got run out of the building by uh 
that Roughnecks group the first week. Defense looked a little bit better, especially in the first half against uh, against they, Dallas. They did allow 444 yards total off in the first in the first half. Particularly, they looked better. Um, they late. forced a couple turnovers to yeah. keep it close. Um, I'm going to take the eight and a half at home, following the trend of the home teams. Um, you know, now you've got two and zero against zero and two. I think the number might be inflated slightly, so I'll take the eight and a half with the Wildcats, just hoping that they can hang around and maybe get a couple of uh, a defensive big plays and and um, you know maybe slow down Cardale Jones a little bit. So I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with the two and zero team here. I, I feel like they are DC maybe the most well-rounded team on both offense and defense. Um, it'll be interesting to see. They do have, um, you know, a long ways to go here, but the, they, they've moved they've moved the ball very well through the air. Cardale Jones seems to pretty much move it at will when he wants to. The one thing that scares me is they haven't run the ball very well. Um, that's something that if they want to, you know, be consistent, they're going to try to have to get some sort of running game going. But I think in general they've been moving the ball well. Their defense has been solid, um, forcing turnovers. Um, so I w- I'm going to stick with DC and, and try to ride that out until they get get stopped. So despite the fact that the two teams that they beat are one and one, I feel like they've played maybe two of the softer teams in the league uh, at home the first two weeks, and it could be inflating their value a little bit. Um, you know, Seattle doesn't impress me very much, and uh, the Guardians obviously are a, a hot mess right now. Yeah. So. Uh, to me, I think that's another factor that tells me, you know, L.A. has played uh, Houston and Dallas, and I think those could be the two best teams in the league right now. So, you know, they're going to get an opportunity to play at the third be- one of the other best teams yeah. in the league. Their schedule has been brutal to start with, um, but they're at home. I-, I think that maybe they're going to be battle-tested enough to hang in there. Yeah, and one thing we wanted to talk about after we got through some of the previews of the games is just how this league's going to work going forward. So – you have a sprint of 10-game season, right? They're a fifth of the way through their league, their, the league season right now, the schedule. Um, with that being said, if you fall to 0-3, you're in a big hole uh, with only seven games left. Um, the way the divisions work is there's a East and there's a West. The top two teams in the East will play each other for the playoffs. The top two teams in the West will play each other in the playoffs. The winners of that go to the championship game. Um the tiebreaker, so you have your record, obviously, the tiebreaker is touchdowns plus or minus. Um, so you may see teams, especially as we get to the middle or the end, trying to run up the score on people and score these extra touchdowns to make sure they're they're over. Um, right now we have two teams at 2-0. and uh, We have four teams at 1-1 one and one and two teams at 0-2. Oh um, they should sort it out a little bit with all the 1-1 one one teams playing each other this week. Um, but it should be interesting here with the short season and this little sprint to try to get to the be the top two in your in your uh, half of the league. It should be interesting to see how that works. If if the DC or Houston gets off to a three and zero start, how do other teams try to fight for that second spot in each side? Yeah, particularly like how does St. Louis react? You know, Houston gets off to that three and zero start. They've already got a loss to Houston on their record. Um, you know, it, it's going to be big for them to respond and continue to to keep up. Um, and stay within shouting distance, really. Yeah. Um, I don't know how big that head-to-head is going to be down the stretch. In fact, I don't know. They may play each other a second time. Um, I'm assuming that you probably play the the three teams yes. twice in your in your half and then the other division once each, right? Correct. That's, it so, is how it's set up. 
yeah, that, I mean, that makes sense to me. So, you know, they're going to get Houston at home later this season. D.C. I'm sorry. St. Louis is on the east. Oh, St. Louis is in the, in yep. the east. D.C., uh, D.C., St. Louis, the New York, and Tampa Bay are the east. Houston, Seattle, Dallas, L.A. are the west. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, yeah. Um, so, the, yeah, they're going to they're gonna have to worry about the east um, more so. that So a win against the Guardians, that, that's a nice thing for them because they're going to get the Guardians twice, <laughs> <laughs> which seems like a good thing for them. Um, yeah, it, it'll be fun to watch how that shakes out then. Yeah. Um, you know, seeing those teams that are two and zero right now, if they get to three and zero, who's going to be the competitor? Who's going to come and take the division from them? Yeah, and I think that second spot in each one is going to be tightly contested because you have some teams that seem like they can do some things, but maybe not be as dominant on one side of the ball. Um, so, I th- you know, in the, in the East right now, you have the defenders at top, but then you have the the St. Louis BattleHawks and the Guardians at one and one each. Um, the Battle Hawks have a better touchdown ratio, so they're slotted at number two. I think the eyeball test tells you they're the better team uh, between the two of them as well. And then Tampa Bay, who has a minus four touchdown ratio through two weeks, um, yeah, bringing up the rear. Right. And it's the same kind of thing in the West. Houston, 2-0. and Then you have Seattle um, slotted ahead of Dallas by having a zero plus-minus touchdowns, and Dallas still trying to make up for that huge hole they created in week one. And then the Wildcats, 0-2, also with a minus four, plus minus for touchdowns. So you can kind of see there could be some big gaps here three, four weeks in. Yeah, and, you know, if you're a team like Tampa and you go to 0-3, uh, it, you know, that East gets really hard to, to, to catch somebody like St. Louis because you anticipate they're going to beat the Guardians this week, you know, based on the lines that you're seeing and, and the chaos in New York. Um, so, right. you know, that if D.C. wins and St. Louis wins, that puts Tampa in quite a hole. They've got to find a way to dig themselves out of. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how much matchups count in this league. You know, in the NFL, it's very much matchup driven. Um, so I'm wondering if with the talent level they have in these leagues, is it going to be matchup driven? Or are we just going to have some teams are the haves and some teams are the have nots? Do we do we get some of that sorting where some teams are just that much better? And they just, you know, do we get a couple eight and two teams and a few zero oh and ten teams, and how that'll stretch out? Yeah, I mean, right now New York's not feeling too good, so. Yeah, I mean, um, and if, when you look at the Vipers and Wildcats, it's hard to imagine them winning five games uh, out of the next eight. Right. You know, um, and that's what you know to get to five and five. That's what they would have to do. <laughs> Let, let's take a quick look here. I, I just pulled up the uh, XFL championship odds. Um, and I, there's some interesting things here as I look at them. All right. Um, Houston. D- uh, DC is the favorite right now, plus 200. All right. Um, Houston, plus 225. Then you've got a gap here. Dallas at plus 600. Ooh, give me that right now. I know. That's nice, isn't it? Um, with uh, That line... It should go way down in the next few weeks as we see them playing with their quarterback Landry Jones. That line could go bad. Yeah, you know they could be moving up plus four hundred next week and plus two hundred like everyone else in the week after that if they keep performing like they did in the second half of last week. So hop on that now. Tell me how this makes any sense. Two teams at plus nine hundred. Yeah, St. Louis BattleHawks. Okay. New York Guardians. Yeah, I mean, they're both one-and-one, and and that's probably where I would stop the comparison. Uh, St. Louis, in their loss, looked competitive. 
the Guardians in their win looked lucky to get a win, and in their loss looked like they didn't belong in the league. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. I mean, this is a you know I picked the Guardians to cover this week, and you know they really need to put up a better effort. Otherwise, I don't know what's going to happen with the rest. Of, I, I'm hoping that they start Marquise Williams. Let me tell you that right now. That's yeah, a, yeah. We. Uh, from what I understand, the XFL doesn't do updates like that until most most of the way through the week. We are recording on Tuesday night, so we're at a little bit of a disadvantage there. Um, but I f- just have this feeling that they're going to start Marquise Williams based on yeah. putting him in and McGloin's reaction. So. Yeah. Well, then you've got the Vipers at plus 1,000, huh. uh, the Wildcats and Dragons at plus 1,200. Um, I don't want either any part of either of those any of those three teams really correct um my two plays would be dallas and st louis at yeah. plus 600 and plus 900 respectively i agree i think both those both are where the money's at because i think if you were to stack the four teams up the top four teams you would get some would pick your favorite flavor dc or houston um at one and two and then you'd probably have dallas at three and st louis at four um those two being fluid in the next couple of weeks as we see how they shake out um, now that Landry's there, I would just give I would give Dallas the edge in that t- between the two, just because they've only had their starting quarterback for one game, and then going forward we'll see how they shake out. Yeah, I mean, who knows how that game goes week one if Landry Jones is available. I don't want to look ahead too far, but in week four, which we'll be talking about next week, Dallas and Houston are playing. That's gonna be fun, and that could be a very interesting game to see how that shakes out. And also, we have a some some prime time next week too. the the Sunday night games at seven o'clock next week. I like so it. That's going to be awesome. I like it. That's the big game. No, no. It's the defenders versus the Vipers. Oh, no. Oh, jeez, They're going to have to work on flexing games here in the <laughs> XFL. They're get the flex going. I know that um, I was watching a thing today or I actually pro football talk, I think uh, mentioned today that the viewership went down, um, but was still over 2 million in uh, two of the games this week. I think 2.2 in the, the early game. Yeah. Um, and then similar numbers in, in the afternoon games for Saturday. So um, that's not a bad number. No. So, and then that's the thing. You kind of expect it to go down a little bit. It's just how far does it drop? And it, it drops significantly, but they opened way higher than anyone expected. So you would expect some drop. It's interesting to, to see how it levels off as we get into four, week four, week five, and like the. Um, it being fresh kind of fades away. If they can hold it to two and a half million for some of these games, that's going to be a huge victory for them. I think already they're pretty happy with some of these results. Um, it'll be interesting to see as this comes down to it at how much those are. And the championship game will be big to see what kind you, of, you can get advertisers at those kind of numbers, oh, advertisers yeah. to the point where, you know, these players can be compensated much more fairly. And I think uh, that's, you know, that's where they're going to grow to. They, I think the one thing they did was some honesty up front. They told the players like, Hey, look, we want to make sure we're around for three, four five seasons at least. So we need to be fiscally conservative at the beginning. You do well, we do well, we can talk. Um, and those numbers two, two and a half, you're competitive with NBA primetime games at that point. Yeah. So, NBA has no problem making money and getting viewers and um, 
getting advertising and all that. So when you're competing with those guys, no, you're not competing at the NFL numbers, but nobody ever thought you would. So if you can start with competing with the best product you're going up against, which is NBA primetime, you're doing yeah. all right. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm loving the product that they're putting out there, and I think it's a lot of fun right now. So uh, I'm going to continue to watch every week. I, I look forward to it every week. And the fact that I get to watch football into March is just beautiful for me. Into March. April 26th, the championship game. We're getting th the same weekend that the NFL draft happens. That It's going to be capped off by a Sunday afternoon championship game. I love it. So that weekend will be fun football filled thursday friday saturday nfl draft sunday we got an xfl championship april is an underrated month for sports in my in my opinion in general which brings us to um next week yeah go ahead tom what do we got coming so next week we are going to start our major league baseball previews um so the way we're going to do this is for the next few few weeks we're going to take um this week we're going to start with the east so we're going to do the AL and NL East. We're going to talk about each team. And then Kevin and I are each going to pick a winner for that division. Um, as we, When we complete all the divisions, we're going to then have a projection show where we're going to pick our favorite um, over-unders for the season. Yep. We haven't picked a number yet, but we're talking three or four. Each yeah. of us are going to make our, our bold statements on, and I think one's going to count double. And um, – we're going to track that for the year for the rest of the baseball season kind of see how that goes we're also going to have our way too early Cy Young and um, MVP picks for the year and we'll kind of pick uh the playoffs too who, who's going to win the World Series and you know put that out there so we can be criticized when we're wrong later on down the stretch yeah, absolutely that's what this is all about giving <laughs> yeah. people ammunition to beat us up <laughs> yeah so uh -huh. yeah I'm excited to get started on a little baseball talk and um, I think that um, we haven't really talked too much about it, but we're getting really close to position evaluations for, for the NFL draft, um, you know, team needs. Yep. Uh, there, there's a lot of content to cover when it comes to that stuff. So, and, and to do it in a weekly show is a little difficult. We may throw in an extra pod here or there based on just um, draft content and, yes. and NFL-based stuff. So. Yeah. So we're going to sprinkle some NFL draft in even starting next week uh, with the combine. We're going to talk a little bit about who we're looking to see and what positions we're, we're most excited to talk about. Um, but yeah, as it gets closer, we're going to have some uh, draft only content because in order to get as deep into it as we want and like to get, we, we need that. I mean, we've been talking here about who we like, who we see out there um, off the air, trying to work on what we see putting together our big boards and who we think is great. And it's going to all culminate in our live mock draft where we're one of us is getting odds. One of us is getting evens and we're going to, yeah, to do mocks. And then um, I do believe we're each going to release our own mock first round mock, at least on the yeah. website. So no doubt. And um, that's one of the big things that's coming up for us. Um, we've spent a bunch of time prior to, to recording tonight on preparing the website um, yeah. We anticipate a we were planning March 1st as our release 1st. date uh, for the website. So we're very excited about that. Um, we're both going to try to put together an article for you guys that will be available on the on the website for you to review. Um, we are transitioning Facebook pages. Um, so there's going to be a little a little change there. Um, we understand that it's not the most convenient thing to do to have to go and like a different Facebook page. We're going to continue 
uh, posting the updates on the current page um, until we complete the migration. But the new Facebook page is going to be Hammered Sports Podcast on Facebook. Um, we're really seeing some things and some excitement coming down the line for us here um, that even we couldn't have anticipated as excited as we were about doing this and uh, getting it launched and getting things started. Um, you know, it's time for us to really start migrating things into um, an even more professional environment for you guys so that all of our content is in one type of format. You can see Hammered Sports Podcast pretty much anywhere. Yeah. You know, it's it's all about making it seamless. We're trying to integrate our social media sites with the new website, with the availability of the podcast. We're trying to make sure that it's available for anybody, no matter where you, you get your podcast to listen to. Uh, so in doing that, we had to kind of create some new things and, and really look into what's the best practices for, for a business. And so we were working on that, and uh, it should lead to some very exciting partnerships and the ability for us to give you content 24 7 everywhere you are phone computer tablet you should be able to to get some content from us at all times yeah and in the next few weeks um we're gonna have some uh new additions to kind of what's happening in the uh in the podcast um right now <laughs> it's funny it, tom just had a look on his face and i had to turn my head because <laughs> uh, i tweeted out earlier tonight that i liked uh oklahoma to upset the number one Baylor Bears, um, Oklahoma on the money line at plus 145. And uh, we're down to 14 minutes and change in this game, and Oklahoma's only down by three. So uh, I'll be sweating this for the next uh, 45 minutes or so, <laughs> seeing if we uh, if we found us another plus money winner on the Hammer Sports Podcast. But um, one of the big things that we've got coming down the line is we're going to have some interviews coming up. Um, some folks that you guys will recognize, you'll know their names. Um, I'm not going to give away too much here right now, um, but I'll tell you that we're going to have some additional content when it comes to that. And I'm really excited for it. I think you guys are really going to love it too. Yeah, absolutely. As we're, as we're growing opportunities for us are growing, which means opportunities for us to share with you. And that's what we're driving for. Um, the content is what we're really focused on right now and updating that content, making it available to you, giving you content that's competitive with, with everything else you guys get to spend your time on. We don't take that for granted that you're choosing to spend time listening to us and investing your time into that. So we want to make sure we're delivering a, a good product and, and making sure that we have stuff that keeps you coming back and keeps you excited about hearing what we have the week after and the next week. So absolutely guys. Thanks again for listening. Uh, we're so excited about the direction that this is headed. Uh, thanks for being along for the ride with us, and we're going to keep delivering the best content we can. Until next week. See ya. See ya.